Lefty Drizel, oh, those many years ago, said Maryland could be the UCLA of the East. While neither program has been consistently great in the last few decades, Gary Williams delivered the one national title to College Park exactly 20 years ago. But now the Terrapins have landed on another Big East coach to try and bring that magic back. Kevin Willard is a basketball lifer, the son of respected coach Ralph Willard, who took his kids from Long Island to Bowling Green, Kentucky, to Pittsburgh. Kevin revitalized Seton Hall. Can he do the same at Maryland? Hello, Kevin. Hello. Good to see you. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Well, can you bring Maryland back? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's, I think that's what's so, what, what I love about this job is that, you know, you kind of just read up, you know, from lefty to Gary, uh, to Turge, um, not great, not only great coaches, but I, I, what I love about this program is the, the long, long list of great players that have come through here. Um, it's, it's just not the two thousands or the 1990s, you know, it goes all the way back, uh, to the 1950s, 60s. So I think that's when you look at a program and can you bring it back to a level of what Gary had, um, you look at how many great players have come through here and, and that's what excites you about this place. You know, um, Gary once uh, told me that, um, of course, he was uh, fairly high in your search for the new coach. And he said he wanted a couple of things. He said, I want a program coach because Lefty was here for 17 years. I was there here for 21. So and he raved about you at the time. But, you know, you, you never know. I mean, why does somebody Gary did it? But why does someone leave the Big East for the Big Ten? Well, I, I two big reasons. Um, one, obviously, I. The University of Maryland, to me, has always been a top 10 job. You know, the way I've looked at it from, like I said, the coaching legends, the great players, the area that it's in, um, you know, the DMV has great high school, great AAU programs. Um, and the second thing was the timing. Um, if I was going to move, you know, I have a, a ninth grader and an eighth grader in high school. Um, and you just said, you know, my dad moved, my brother and I, when I was in ninth grade, um, the time had to be now. And sometimes it's just like, you get an opportunity um, and the timing's right. You, you just got to jump on it. What do you think that you bring to Maryland? What do you want? I mean, a lot of people have swagger. I'm not sure that would impact me, you know, if I were <laughs> going to hire you. I mean, so so what is your coaching philosophy? What are you bringing to Maryland fans? Yeah, I, I think I've developed. Obviously, I, I got to play for my father um, and got to see how he um, coached. And obviously, I worked for, you know, one of the greatest of all time and Rick Pitino. And I've kind of developed my style, kind of a mixed bowl to them. Um, but I think what I what we're going to do here at Maryland is we're going to be known for our player development and making sure that we continue to understand that, the, you know, my role as a college coach is to make sure my players are getting better every day. Yeah. And you have a reputation for that. Um, but but back up, like um, you may not know, I was Rick's beat writer when I was at the Globe. And he so we were 21 and 22. And. He could try any kind of presses and I could write any kind of leads because nobody was going to Walter Brown Arena and nobody was reading my stories in the Globe. But uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me what you learned from Rick Pitino beyond never get fat. Yeah, no, you're not allowed <laughs> to get fat. That's for sure. That's for uh, sure. You know, you, you land, you'll land on the treadmill and you'll stay on the treadmill for it doesn't matter if you're 90 years old or 20, 12 years old, you can end up on the treadmill. Um <laughs> No, I, th I think, and I say, I say this to everybody, um, Coach Patino's passion and enthusiasm for the game of basketball is unmatched. Um, even now at his age, 
um, I'm, I'm blown away that he has the same exact enthusiasm and the same exact passion for not only the game of basketball, but for teaching the game of basketball. And it's, it's not changed from the time I, I was with him with the Boston Celtics to the time I left uh, Louisville. And now when I was just with him this summer watching practices, um, you know, the, the, he passed it on to me was that you have when you walk into practice, you walk in individuals. Like your kids have to understand, like that's going to be your best part of the day, and that you have to bring the energy to make sure that they are know that this is this is what it's all about. And no one does it better, and no one I don't think anyone will ever do it at the level he's done it. Give me an example because I always tell people I think he should charge for going to a Rick Patino practice. It's and I've seen every practice of every program in America. It is the finest practice and it almost you should have to pay but give me a couple of specifics that you learned from him that you've applied to your teams oh boy um that's a long list leslie um i, I defer I, I i tell a story to everybody we went recruiting one of my first said me and mick cronin went recruiting with him and we got off the plane and it was like 12 30 at night and you know most coaches you get in that late and you know, they're going to come in at nine, nine 30. And I remember sitting there telling Mick, I said, Mick, I said, get in at five 30. And Mick's like, wait, Mick's like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, you know, we're not getting back to one. I said, Mick, get in at five 30. And I said, you know, make sure you have everything prepared. I said, I'm telling you, I said, he's coming in at six 15. I said, he's going to walk in at six 15. He's going to, he's going to chuck his stuff off the ground. And we're going to have a, we're going to have a meeting. And Mick looks at me and says, all right. So we get there at five 30, Mick and I are sitting there BSing. And at 6.15, here comes Coach Patino with like <laughs> a tornado of energy and just comes barreling through the door, puts his stuff down. And he says, all right, let's meet. And what I learned was like, you, more than that, you got to bring it every day. Like there's, there's just no days off. Like, and he never, I mean, there was never a day off with him. I mean, my wife hated him for it, but it was, <laughs> you know, every day you had to show fight and you had to be prepared and you had to be ready. And that's what he, I think he teaches all his assistants is that you, you got to be prepared and you have to be ready and you have to work at the highest level every day to be successful in this business. And I've always taken that with me every day because that's what he, he, he drills it into you and he makes you a better play and makes you a better person, a better coach because of the work ethic and the responsibility he gives you. But if someone came here from Europe and decided to adopt Maryland basketball, would it be uh, running, pressing? Would it be a, a half court team? Like what, what would they see? I think I think what what I've learned, um, and expect, especially being as consistent winning as we've been, is you really have to adapt to your personnel on your roster, um, and that's something I think you know. There's going to be times where we're going to play fast when you have the roster and and the athletes maybe to play that way. But then I look at Jay Wright, and I played. I've just spent 12 years getting my getting killed by Jay Wright, uh, and he plays the slowest tempo in college basketball, and he's won two national championships in the last five years. So Except I think what we saw in the final four is you can't control tempo from behind. No. Yeah. And that exactly. Well, you also can't control tempo when you don't adjust to more. Right. Uh, right, right. So I, I, you know, I, I think it's something that, you know, we, I've always adapted the last couple of years, you know, three years ago, we were one of the fastest tempo teams in, in college basketball. Uh, two years ago, I had to slow it down and we were kind of right in the middle of the country. So I think we're always going to be aggressive defensively. We've been in the top 20, uh, rankings defensively. So I think they're going to see a tough, hard nose rebounding team. And then offensively, I, I really adapt to the type of players I have. Ta talking about that, uh, 
player development, which is what you're known for. By the way, how much fun was Miles Powell? I mean, was he just a blast to watch? Oh, it, yeah, he was fun to coach. You didn't have to run anything. You just you just gave him the ball and told everybody to get out of his way and the ball was going in. <laughs> it's like Larry Bird in game seven. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, you know, we, we, had, we had two plays that year. Give it to Miles and then, you know, give it to Miles and everyone else get out of the way. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, recruiting. Um, tell me if I'm at Maryland, uh, why why am I going to come to Maryland rather than go to Auburn or Illinois? Kids aren't necessarily local anymore. Yeah, I think I think you know this is this is a great sports town, and I mean phenomenal. And I think that's the difference. Um, if I was a young man, I wanted to go play in the Big Ten or the SEC, and you know, I had an opportunity to play in the nation's capital. Uh, a huge sports town, uh, an area that has, you know, Baltimore and D.C. I mean, we're we're 30 minutes from Baltimore. We're 15 minutes from Washington, D.C. Um, unbelievable media market, unbelievable sports fans, unbelievable media base. When you start talking about NIL, um, you know, the possibilities are probably endless in this area where you go someplace, um, maybe in the middle of the country where you don't have as many opportunities. So I think uh, not only that, but it I've been blown away. I've, I've been on campus only twice before I took the job. And that was when we played here. Um, it's a gorgeous campus um, and it's a, it's a tremendous university. So I think, you know, our, where we're located with our opportunities, the way, you know, again, how we've developed players, I think there's opportunities for young men to come in here and really be successful. Although you say the NIL, like I had this conversation with our buddy, brother Beheim, that, um, you know, the, the money is those SEC schools. Most colleges cannot match that kind of money because that is the game in town. And do you think you'll run into some of that and have to have, you know, just look what Texas A&M did right right out of the gate. Uh, spent all that money. NIL has gone from zero to a, a million in like a month. But do you have to be in that slipstream? You know? I, I think everyone I think everyone's going to have to be in that in that stream. I don't think no one cannot be in that stream. And I, th I think what's, again, I think when you start looking at it from a, a long-term perspective, like a place like Maryland is, you know, being in a population and one of the most powerful places in all the, all earth. I mean, you know, Washington DC is the epicenter of everything that happens in this country. The opportunities that you have for a local young man or someone coming away, coming from someplace else. I said, you know, that's, that's a, a name image likeness that's real in this area. Um, you know, we have Under Armour that's in Baltimore, you know, Ravens, Wizards, you look at all the great teams and, uh, and then you just start talking about DC in general, Baltimore. So uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a space that everyone unfortunately is going to have to, to be competitive in, you know, you might not be able to match, you know, what the quarterback from Alabama is getting, you know, cause I don't think anyone ever could match what the quarterback was getting, but now it's, I just think you have to be in that space. You know, you're saying that uh, you want to develop players, which you're actually you're known for that. But there are going to be more than a thousand guys in the transfer portal. And, you know, who was Remy Martin is the example that let's let's get a good transfer. Are you do you push back against the transfer idea? No, I, I, I don't. Um, and, you know, I think, Leslie, I think that's something that like you have to be really strategic with the portal. Um, you just okay, can't. How? Well, you just can't go out there and say, well, I, I'm going to get four, I'm going to bring four guys in. And then those four guys match the same exact guys that you have on your roster already that have been here. I think you have to look at your existing roster 
uh, guys that have been with you, guys that have been in your program. And then you have to go out, kind of like build it. You have to go out and strategically get someone that's going to help those guys be better. Uh, and I think that's where the portal can be really, really good is um, you can bring one or two guys in that can help your team and more, most importantly, help the guys on your team become better. Yeah, right. That's what you know, Coach Self did that, right? Mm -hmm. Plugged him in. But do you think that's a whole nother recruiting in itself? I mean, <laughs> how, uh, how do you go about convincing a young man that, you know, Walker Kessler, like, why would he go to Auburn and maybe not go to Maryland? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, but that's every kid, you know, every kid, every kid's a different recruiting battle. Every kid has different, you know, not every kid wants the same thing. I mean, you know, certain kids want to live in certain areas. They want to play in certain conferences. Um, I think, again, I really believe in that you got to match. Um, I, I always, I always tell all recruits, like you, like what kind of offense do you want to run? Like go watch, go watch what a team runs. Can you fit into that style? Are you going to fit into that style? Because Believe it or not, kids get so enamored with facilities and NIL and, and all this other stuff. Then they go in and say, well, geez, I, I, I don't I don't like playing this way. And then they end up, end up in the transfer portal anyway. So um, each each kid, each kid has its own unique recruiting kind of what I say database. And um, they're all different. Um, they're all they're all very unique. You really just got to you got to try to find young men that, that, are, that you want to coach that fit how you coach. I think that's something why there's so many kids in the portal is we've gone away from, you know, really getting to understand these kids individually and what's best for them. You know, I, I've lost a lot of kids because I've told kids like, I'm not the guy that you want to play for because you're better off at a different style. And I'd rather see you successful than come see me and play there. And I just think as I've gotten older in this business, I really try to make sure I try to find kids that are going to fit the way I coach. Um, and how they play, because if you do that, you can be successful and you can develop them. And it's what it's all about. You want them to be successful at the end of the time they leave you. Do you tell them about um, your playing career? I do recall a game against Ray Allen in the Big East. Uh, why don't you share how that went? No, I don't want to. <laughs> I try not. I, I I try not to bring up any time I played college basketball. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I, mean... I, I remember Ray. I remember, and I I I joked to Jim with Jim Calhoun about this when we were up in Connecticut. Uh, we were practicing work there, and he goes, "I said, Coach Calhoun. I said I checked in the game, and I said you sent Ray Allen to the post four straight times in a row." And I said, Ray Allen said, mouse in the house four straight times in a row. And I said, that was the last time I saw the court. <laughs> I said, <laughs> Actually, you dropped out of school, didn't you? Oh, I was like, oh, it. man, this is this is not good. No, I was. Uh, no, I don't talk about my playing career. At OK, all. Uh, how hard a um, decision was it really to leave Pittsburgh and go work with Rick Pitino at the Celtics? Um, it was it was a lot more difficult than than I probably thought at the time. Um, I did have one more year left and I, and I loved playing. I put my whole life into playing basketball. Um, my wife now was obviously my girlfriend back then. Um, and it was one of those things that, you know, I think at a very young age, I, I, I grew up quickly because my dad sat me down and said, okay, you can come back and you can play and then you can go try to play in Europe a little bit. And you can kind of do all that. Or I said, you have a chance to, go see if you will really want to be a coach in this business. And he said, there's no better guy to learn from. He said, you'll know within the first month, if you want to do this, uh, because you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life. And when I looked at it and I made the decision, I was like, you know, I, I want to try to be a coach. I want to see if I want to do this. And 
you know, I didn't understand Rick Pitino at the time. I'd known Coach Pitino forever um, since I was in sixth grade, um, but I never understood how he did things and how hard he made you work. And I, I got to I got to the Celtics, and you know, Frank Vogel, who's now the head coach of the uh, of the Lakers, and me and him kind of within the first month, he, he looked at me and I looked at him. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, what we get? What we get into? Twenty years older. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what, I'm like, what we get into? But it was it was the best decision of my life because I, you know, I got to work with Jim O'Brien who um, was an unbelievable mentor to me and taught me so much about scouting and analytics and how to prepare your team. Um, I learned more in those four years than I did in the next 10 years because I was just around so many great people, so many great pros and seeing at the highest level, it was a hard decision, but as I look back now, I I wouldn't change it for a second. You know, we've seen other coaches who, played for their dad or McCaffrey's uh, he coached his Jim Laranaga Scott Drew played uh, what is I always wanted to know after a loss what was the ride home like <laughs> well, it was different for me because I usually caused the loss um, <laughs> you did not <laughs> uh, no I mean you know what I, I've, I I've had a lot of people ask me like who have who have kids said you know you know I want my son to play with me and I said here's a great way to look at it if your kid's the best player on the team, it's great. I said, because he's going to help you win. If your player, if your son's the worst player on a team, it's great because he's not going to play. I was like that middle, middle tier kind of good player can help you win, can help you lose. And I say, if it's ever that situation, don't play for your dad because it's brutal. I mean, it, it's, you get to see the losses and you're, you go back to your dorm and you're like, I, I was just two for four, had three turnovers, no assists. And we just lost the game. And I was a big reason why we lost no, the game. But your dad is, uh, he's so famous for being, you know, level-headed. And then, uh, you know, he's got that wry sense of humor. But did he just go into the Holy Cross Hall of Fame? He did. He just went in. Uh, wow. He just went in at the end of the season. So I think wow. it's uh, it, it's well-deserved. I mean, he played there. He coached there for so long. He loves it. Um, you know, he's a grumpy old man. He'll never admit how much he loves stuff. But he lo- he loves his time at Holy Cross. and. I think it was it was it was a very special night. I I couldn't be there. We played Rutgers the next day, but uh, my brother and sister got to go up, and it was a very special night. And it's true and dear to his heart. Everyone I've ever talked to, including Gary, it's always their time in the Big East that they kind of reflect on. I mean, you you must have obviously you grew up watching it. I mean, what when you think of the Big East, what what flashes before you? Oh man, um, yeah. I mean, my first college basketball game I ever went to was. Uh, it was St. John's uh, Georgetown in the garden. Um, yeah. My, my brother's uh, freshman, freshman high school, freshman coach took my, my brother and I, and we sat right behind the bench. Um, and I got, that was my first taste of big East basketball. And then, you know, obviously playing in the league um, and then coaching in it for so long. Um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very tight knit group. Like, you know, and I give Jay Wright a lot of credit over the last, 12 years was, you know, when the league changed and went from the football to just basketball, Jay Wright got us all together and said, Hey guys, for us to make this work, we got to work together. Um, it was me, Ed Cooley, Jay, Greg McDermott's still there. Um, I'm trying to Did Ed Cooley bring your brother? I hope. <laughs> uh, it's, it was just one of those things that like Jay was like, Hey, let's do it and let's bring it together. It's a, it's a yeah. real brotherhood. Um, and it's very, very good coaches. And 
you know, the history and the tradition, like Patrick's, you know, sitting there coaching against Patrick Ewing. I'm sitting there going, I just saw Patrick like playing when I was in sixth grade. He was like my, like, I loved Patrick. So uh, it's a, it's a very unique conference because they, they truly care about, not only care about the game of college basketball, but they, they care about the history and tradition of, of all college basketball. Are you a golfer? Did you ever go on any of the golf deals? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, it's, you know, I, I love where they did their league meetings. I, obviously, Ponte Vedra is one of, the, I think it's a hidden little gem. And, uh, you know, Raf and, and Jay and I, and, you know, Ed would all go down. We'd all, you know, you go, you go down there and you do one meeting and you have three dinners and you play golf. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I always said the Big East really had it figured out because we didn't really get anything done besides have a couple of cocktails, <laughs> tell some stories and, uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of what makes it unique is that they, it's, you know, I think they've done a great job and Val has done, continued to then done a great job of keeping that family atmosphere within the league. Um, we obviously, we always try to, to kill each other and win, but, um, we always rooted for each other. I mean, our, the, the coach's text thread during the NCAA tournament is it, it, it's just shows you it's every coach, it's every win. Um, you know, when Ed wow. Cooley just got, yeah, Ed Cooley just got national, national coach of the year. It's all the coaches are. How, how great is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a cool family atmosphere. And I think the leadership has done a great job. Stu Jackson has done a great job. And, and obviously Val Ackerman is one of the best, uh, in the business. And, and don't, does. uh, really, uh, I wouldn't challenge her in the perimeter there. No, no, not at all. <laughs> she can, uh, <laughs> she can shoot, uh, is, um, the Big Ten, as you know, there were two things that Maryland faces. One, that half the fans think you're still supposed to be Carolina and Duke, right? And the other half is that they don't know how hard it is to win on the road in the Big Ten. So can you address sort of where the fans are and where you have to get them? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. As I've gone around talking to the fan base uh, and getting to meet a lot of a lot of the, you know, the older generation, I guess, would say. Um, that grew up in the ACC and saw, you know, saw all those great battles. I think they've, I think over the last three or four or five years um, through the transition, I think they've started to realize how great of a conference the Big Ten is, how deep it is, uh, how cool it is to have, you know, new rivals um, coming into the Xfinity Center. You know, you're only on the road 10, 10 games in the conference, so you're getting 10 great conference home games. I think they've started to realize just how good of a conference the Big Ten is and what they've accomplished over the last you know, 20, 25 years. Uh, but there is always going to be, and, that, and that's every fan base, there's always going to be part of the fan base that wishes that they were still in the ACC, um, which is fine. But at the same time, I think most of the fan base really appreciates what uh, the Big Ten has done for the University of Maryland. Hey, so a couple more things um, before I let you go. Uh, how happy, I'm sure you were, instrumental but it, it looked obvious but shaheen um is that a great transition it, it it's phenomenal um it, it's you know i i didn't want him to take the saint peter's job because i wasn't <laughs> i said this yeah they weren't sure he's gonna win it <laughs> win enough one day that when, I, when i left or they fired me they'd be able to take over um but i i think it, it was always my as i kind of was going into years and years um you know it was either i was gonna eventually always just be there for the the time I left. And, and that was the other part of the timing was uh, I saw a young coach blossom into a real coach and into a very, very good coach. And uh, I knew he would have the energy and the passion for the program the same way I did. Uh, I didn't want someone from the outside that didn't have the same passion, didn't have the same enthusiasm. 
uh, didn't know how hard of a job it was. And you know, that's the thing. Shot understands everything about Seton Hall uh, from being with me all those years and playing there. And so when the opportunity came, it was just something that it was just a no brainer and it was a great time. And I think he's going to do just phenomenally there. Ah, wow. I can see why people would want to play for you. (laughs) Now, might you be, let's see, would you uh, recruit against him? I mean, is that possibly going to happen? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Uh, I'm not looking, I'm not looking forward to it. We played against each other way back in the day and the, he gave me a beat down when we played against each other, but uh, no, I mean, it, it's, it's something that's like, you know, it, it's the, the pride I have for the program and the university and obviously uh, the respect and love I have for Shah. It's going to be, you know, I'm looking forward to see what he does with that program. It's going to be something great. What, what have you told your players? Can you share which players, you know, are staying uh, who you might lose? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know what, Leslie, this was a weird because coach Turge left, you know, in this, I guess, December, I, I don't remember when it was, you know, these guys have been dealing with this for a long time. So it wasn't like it just something happened and all of a sudden, you know, they haven't had time to think about it. Um, it's a good group. Of, it's a good group of young men. Um, they've been eager to get back on the court and start working. I've had a lot of fun working with them. Um, you know, I just think that's this probably time, not what they're saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've done, we've done some things that are a little new. Um, <laughs> But it's a good group, and I've enjoyed I've enjoyed being around them. They, uh, again, I think they're hungry. I, they've had a, they had a tough year. I think it's you know you don't always have just layups or you know walks in the park. And I think this this group has kind of rallied together and, and kind of seen like you know they want to get back in the gym and want to get back to winning basketball. What have you taken from Gary Williams? Well, I have a I ha- I got I have like six p- pages of paper <laughs> that I keep on my on my desk. <laughs> Of what of of the advice he keeps on giving me, um, I, I I don't think I'm I will never be done in getting advice from from Coach Williams. I think that's the cool thing of of him being in this still in this area and still being so connected to this university is you have someone that's so connected to the alumni base, so connected to the former players, um, someone that understands how to do it at this level and in this area. I think that's more than anything what I'll what I'll always be picking his brain about is just you know, how you, how you do it at, in this area and at this level. Cause I think that's something I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to, you know, just not stay stagnant. And coach Williams is a, it's just, he just got, I, I, I just, I won't just three pieces of paper that says all the stuff <laughs> I go, I go back to it every day. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a relationship I'm looking forward to grow and build. Well, there are two factors. One, can you crouch along the sideline? I cannot. I, I my my knees are uh, from playing and playing golf. My knees are shot, so I stand the whole time where I sit. Well, all right, you're going to have to work with him on that. I, and second, that. can you sweat? See, that's and I tell a story is I turned on the TV. I think it was my first year in Boston, and they were playing. There, I think they were playing at Duke. It was a big Monday game, or maybe Tuesday. And back then, TV was so much different. Um, it wasn't. You didn't have every TV, every, every TV game on. Um, and I remember, I remember I, I got such a kick. I mean, he's running up and down the sideline. He's got sweat going everywhere. He's got his jacket going everywhere. He's talking <laughs> trash to the, the fans. He's yelling at the refs. And I was like, I was like, man, that, that dude would be fun to play for. <laughs> <laughs> they did kill for him. Um, just, uh, I guess, finally, um, your recruits, when you recruit in Washington, 
are you going to take them to the Willard Hotel? <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that because we're having a staff meeting before and we're having a bunch of official visits. And I'm like, I actually brought that up. I said, you know, no, it'd be great if we tell these kids this is my hotel. Of course. And, you know, they have no idea what the history of the, the Willard Hotel is or where it is or where it's located. But I'm like, this would be great. It would be a great way to start the visit. We just walk right in. Right. And there, there, there's your, my name. On. It's your yeah, first NIL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin, I wish you such great luck. I'll be watching and I won't send you three pages of text, but I'm going to stay in touch with you. Thank you so much for joining me, Kevin. Oh, thank you, Leslie. Enjoyed it as always. And that was my conversation with Kevin Willard. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today on Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you stream your podcast to enjoy new episodes every week. In Conversation with Leslie Visser is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network and is available on the SXM app included with most subscriptions. The executive producer is the great Andrew Emmer, sound design by Robert Moore, and special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. Talk to you next week. Sirius XM Podcasts.